Welcome to Wake Dad, Drink, Repeat, the podcast that defines today's dad. I'm Anthony Palmer. I'm Michael Smith. Palmer, did you know that a today's dad thinks all of his jokes are a hole in one? That was funny, buddy. You did good on that one. <laughs> Very good timing considering our guest this week for our dad at dad dad talk is Mr. Scott Stallings. I did a golf joke because we have a PGA golfer. Do you get it? I get it. That, Do that you get joke it? was a was a real drive of a joke. Uh, I think it was like a double bogey. Anyway, so I, this episode, I think that's why I avoid the uh, the joke part of this show. Yeah, that's why I signed <laughs> up for it. How you doing, buddy? You doing all right? I'm I'm good, man. I'm good. I am uh, really excited about this episode this week. Super cool. One, it's our first professional athlete. Two, it's a mind-blowingly driven, uh, self-dedicated individual that uh, rocks his family unit and professional unit uh, and personal brand to the nines. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we cover a lot in this episode with Scott, so we'll we'll dive into it here in a second. But um, this guy has really changed a lot over his his 10 years on tour, Um, but the probably biggest change that he's faced is, is coming up on him for this 2020 season. Um, he has spent most of his time as a dad, having both of his kids on the road with him and his wife. And this year they are going to stay landlocked in Knoxville while he, while he does his thing for the most part. So um, that was a I, really interesting piece of that, of our conversation with him. Yeah. I think uh, just, just his, his ability and definition of today's dad and kind of life, where it is right now is pretty pretty pertinent to a lot of today's dad's uh, lifestyles that uh, people got going on with just a, a lot of travel, extensive travel, um, just while the yeah. while the kids are um, home doing the school thing. I don't know for you. I mean, I, that was something that was really uh, cool about this episode. Was I don't I think that we as you know the mere mortals in the world take our the professionals we see are athletes, musicians, whatever. And we kind of just think that they, you know, life must be easy being them doing what they do. But it was, it was interesting getting the inside look into the family management and the family piece of being on the road 200 days a year. Yeah. And, and what life, that's like. life must be easy. That didn't cross my mind. I felt lazy and lethargic and like a fat ass whenever I went over to hang out in his barn backslash gym backslash uh, what they do every day. Um, yeah. Yeah. I no, 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 no. I'm, that's uh, certainly not saying that his life is easy. I was more <laughs> meaning that I think we, we have this outside outward perspective of like, oh, they, it's probably really easy being a parent and being a professional golfer or a sure, sure, football sure. player or musician or sure. whatever. But, um, this is, this is a, a guy who, who takes his role as a dad, uh, super seriously and, and pours a lot of time and investment into it. Well, that's why we talked to this today's dad. This is true. Love it. Um, all right. Well, before we get into the episode, we hope you guys will hop on Apple podcast, rate and review this show and be sure to stay social with us on Instagram and Facebook. Absolutely. We appreciate all the feedback and help us grow our audience. Palmer, before we smash play, what are you sipping on? I am working on a spindrift right now because it's middle of the day and just got done mm. with a run. Very nice. Good for you, man. I'm still on coffee. I'm just doing coffee. Yeah. I'm mainlining coffee. It's, you know, dad life. <laughs> yes, sir. All right. Let's smash play on Scott Stallings. You guys enjoy. Here we go. Cool. We are here in Scott Stallings. Where is there a name for this place? What do you call it? 
I don't know. A lot of people give me a hard time because I call it a barn, and they're like, you have air conditioning. It's a very nice barn. Right. But this, we bought this land in 2013. It's just, just right at eight acres, maybe a little bit less, and they had seven horses, and yeah. this is where the barn was. So it's a barn. I like the barn. It's a barn. I think it should be the barn. Yeah, I guess. I mean, we have no animals here, but... You kind of do, though. <laughs> we have some guys that work out here that kind of look like animals when they're done. But um. indeed, all right. Well, well, we are here in Scott Stelling's barn. We're going to call it sure. a barn, uh, which is his uh, highly legitimate uh, workout facility in his house uh, here in uh, Knoxville, Tennessee. But um, Scott, man, thanks for being here for our dad to dad dad talk. Yes, man. Thank you guys for being here. Listen to a few episodes and kind of got an idea of what I'm getting ready to get into. So well, good. excited to be here. Well, thanks for coming it's here. It's less long painful ride. than what happens in here on a daily basis. Yes. Y'all showed up <laughs> about three hours after the pain. Y'all mentioned coming in to work out and that was probably a good thing you missed. We had a few guys contemplating a lot of life's decisions. Yeah. Palmer just said that to be nice. No, we yeah. were never considering any of that. that I was. That was never going to happen. I was up at from 2 to 5.30 this morning with Oliver Not puking his guts out. That's exciting. It was super fun. Mm. It was super fun. All right, so Scott, you are a professional golfer. I am. You play <laughs> on the PGA Tour. I mean, it's, these are just some facts we got to get out there. <laughs> yes. And you're a, you're a three-time winner on the tour, right? Yes. What are the tournaments you've won? Uh, won uh, Greenbrier in 2011, Sanderson Farm in 2012, and Torrey Pines Farmers Insurance in 2014. Nice. So. It's a pleasure to be sitting here with you, man. Um, so beyond just being a PGA tour professional, you are a dad to two super awesome kids, it sounds like. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Children are a blessing. <laughs> it's, uh, that seems to be the... The standard answer for all of us, right? We love Indeed. our kids. <laughs> Indeed, we, we all, we all. I pretty, yeah. My my daughter's in this adventurous stage right now. She's three, and just kind of where she likes to push her limits a little bit and kind of see what she can get away with. Yep. And so, uh, I, my wife and I woke up, um, kind of wake up in that like five forty five, six o'clock every morning, kind of hit the ground running, and be ready to go. And I and my wife never turns her alarm off ever. And she's normally, as soon as the alarm hits, she's up. And she's not necessarily a morning person, but like this morning we got up and I, I roll over and she just, I hear this like, wham! <laughs> like, what was that? She's like, I need you to handle this morning. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I'm a super heavy sleeper, so I don't hear a ton. So, so that wham was tapping out for the morning. <laughs> that, that was like, I need like 30 minutes just to collect my thoughts. And if you could bring coffee in here, that would be great. <laughs> um, and that was kind of like context within her few words that she said as she's like taking the pillow over her head. And our daughter was up all night. Just like, I, I want to sleep with you. I, I, I want to sleep with brother. And just she constantly pushing the limits. Yeah. Uh, obviously, second kid, just trying to see yeah. what she can get away with and what she can kind of manage. So, but as I walked in with coffee, I was like, children are a blessing. She's like, I don't want to hear that right now. <laughs> It's been, the, it's been the motto of the day then. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. That's awesome. <laughs> pretty much. That's awesome. So walk, uh, walk us through your beginning uh, chapter. Get us to um, what, what got you into golf. Let, let's start uh, some, some cliff notes on getting you in there. We're not a golf podcast. We're a dad podcast, but your backstory uh, is everything. So um, what, what took you into the golfing lane? I played all sports growing up as a kid, and golf was kind of something I always did with my dad. And my dad was a good player uh, growing up. But golf was something that was always there, kind of in between the seasons, and 
baseball was my first love by far. And, you know, I, I played everything but football. And it just got to the point where I've, you know, things started dwindling further and further away. And, you know, focus was predominantly on baseball. And I was on a team. We played a bunch of games. And we're getting ready to start the spring season in April. And my birthday is the last week in March. And I made my first hole-in-one the day before my 13th birthday. (laughs) And the next week, the first week of April is the Masters. And Tiger won the Masters in 97. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, I want to do that. That was awesome. I mean, he just <laughs> torched everybody. And this 21-year-old guy, and he just wearing, changed the industry. Wearing Nike, running around, fist pumping. Yeah. I was like, I've never the seen this The impact that Happy Gilmore had on golf. Uh, uh, golf for sure. <laughs> Tiger Woods was. And I just I told my dad, watching, I was like, I, I want to play golf. And, I mean, I was by far, golf was my worst sport. Sure. But, I mean, I made my first hole-in-one. It was like a super lucky shot. Like, I bladed it, hit the flag, went in. Everyone hears about these, like, great, beautiful hole-in-ones. My first one was not that. (laughs) And, you know, from then I just fell fell in love with it and pursued it. That was it. If I just do more holes-in-one like that, I can can do this. this. I got this. (laughs) And I was just on a total golf high, and then Tiger won the Masters, and I just didn't look back. Did everything go to the wayside? Like all sports, it was a singular yeah. focus. I, I played like some, I, not necessarily like team organized, but like some intramural, like yeah, you know, church league kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, church league basketball is no joke, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You talk about number one injury in East Tennessee. <laughs> That's in true. The wintertime church league basketball <laughs> got to the old um, WBBL. <laughs> yeah. I mean, goodness gracious, some of the <laughs> scruffs we saw. It's like we all love Jesus here, man. What's going on? And, <laughs> But, um, but I, I did some of that stuff growing up, but golf was kind of my main focus and all my friends thought I was an idiot. You know, I was a, a pretty good baseball player in comparison to what I was in the, the range of golf and it ended up something that I fell in love with and wanted to pursue and, uh, ended up playing college at Tennessee tech and I had a old, really old school golf coach there and tried to push me into pursuing golf as a career and I had a business professor kind of help the business side of it, help me understand what that looked like. Nice. I remember doing this job interview week that we had. Basically, we all got out of school, and I wrote this thing about how I was going to play golf for a living that I didn't need to go on an interview, and he pulled me up in front of class in front of everybody. It was one of those big college classes, too, like not like a 20-kid. It was like a yeah. you know, 80, 100-kid yeah, yeah, yeah. class. <laughs> He's like – You you weren't a name. You're a social security number. Like uh, – I see you, this job interview that you didn't do, it's like, yeah, man, I'm going to play golf. He's like, all right, so you graduate and you're going to go play your first tournament. Like, how are you going to pay for the gas to get there? Like, what'd you say? (laughs) It's like, you know, like this costs money, right? Like, no, (laughs) I have no idea how much this costs. So he was my advisor too. So I had a decent relationship with him and he basically for the next two years, during those off weeks that you got to interview, I met with him and we wrote a business plan on how to go from graduating college to the PGA Tour in four years. Wow, man. That's really cool. So no, it, you, you had your mentors in place for the appropriate cogs that it took to get the engine going, man. For sure. So I graduated in 2007 and I got my tour car in 2010. So we did it in a little under three years. I had to be 
So I don't know if that really had anything to do with it, but it was nice to go sit down with like investors and stuff that were trying to help you get going. Is planning, like, man. Yeah, man. I basically spent the last two years of my college doing this. Yeah, and but it was a wild ride, and you know now I've played for a couple of years, and then this started my tenth year on tour. What's the dare, dare I say? Um, there are a lot of aspiring um, young lads and ladies out there that are on the I. I suck at basketball, but there was a time in my life where I wanted to be in the NBA. Um, like, what if... I can't see that. You are here, right? You. I bleed basketball. <laughs> um, what if this didn't work? What if this was for not? What would you be? I have no idea now. Because these <laughs> eggs were in this basket. Yeah. I mean, I have a degree um, where debate on where my diploma actually is. Um <laughs> Nobody uh, asks for the paper yeah. proof. I so need to actually you're see fine. it. You're fine. <laughs> yeah, my wife laughs because she has hers, and she's like, you don't even have a diploma. I was like, I'm confident I graduated. And <laughs> I'm uh, like 87% sure. Yeah. And But to be honest, now I'm so far down the road, like I don't know exactly what sure. that yeah. – you'd have asked me you know, six, seven years ago, I'd have probably given you a better answer. Now being on this side of golf and – some type of like golf development would be cool. Yeah. I do a lot with a ministry called College Golf Fellowship. And basically you take kids all throughout and they come stay with you. I mean, we've had 84 kids stay at our house. Dude, oh my gosh. That's awesome, man. And all college guys and some aspiring professionals, yeah. some yeah. guys played a D3 school you've never heard of. Yeah. And just an idea to kind of show like, man, golf's what I do, but not really like who yeah. I am. Yeah. And, man, that's I'm really a, cool. I'm a dad. I'm a husband. And, you know, I'm not necessarily – when I leave, I do go play golf for a living. Sure. But, you know, when I come home, that's not sure. that's not what gets me through the sure. door. Yeah. And I think just a, a cool way to – that's a pretty volatile time from coming from high school to college and then that transition from, all right, what am I going to do now? Yeah. I've just played four or five years in college and someone's made every decision for me. What do I do? Yeah. And so – I would like to do something like that. I started helping a few college programs and not necessarily like anything like crazy formal, but just sitting with some guys and chatting with them. And like, I could care less how they play. That stuff will take care of itself, but just kind of being a shoulder to lean on, like, man, I've got all these options, like help, help, you know, intercede yeah. with me and help me make the right ones. Was there a part of you when you were going through it that like, do you think you're, you're doing that now because you felt like there was a need for that when you were going through it? Or do you think you've just kind of gotten there on your own? I don't know. I mean, I, I, cause it not, sounds like you had a good support system I around you. I did not you. do this by myself. I mean, the amount of people I had, I mean, you guys were here just a minute ago right. and you saw the trainer, the PT, uh, and just the group of guys that we surround ourselves with now, and I mean, I think that's anyone that gets to this point in any kind of profession or career, and they said they did it by themselves is <laughs> living some kind of yeah. You know, yeah. fantasy because that's just not possible, sure. yeah. especially in the the world of professional sports. But I think there's certain aspects of like seeing the development side that. Uh, appeal to me a lot and seeing some of the younger guys and like, man, don't make the same mistakes I did. Don't, don't waste your time away in college and, you know, wish you were somewhere else that you weren't. Cause I mean, I've been on tour for 10 years and if I could go back and play another semester of college golf, I would a hundred percent do it. Wow. 
not necessarily like we had an amazing team or what. It's just an experience yeah. you're never going to get experience. again. It's yeah. a life stage. Um, yeah. Don't be rushed to get through it. Mm-hmm. So kind of jumping ahead a little bit then into like your career path. So you've been on tour going on 10 years mm-hmm. now. Your oldest is six. So you had a handful of years there where you were not, you were Scott without kids <laughs> professionally. Yes. I, it's hard to remember what that was like. I'm but, sure, man. It uh, is, man. It seems like another world. Uh, you, for sure. You, you pre-kids, yeah. It, it's, it, uh, it doesn't seem that long ago, but it then looking as like, I can't remember what my life was like before yeah. then because they're just now just like a constant. Yeah. You know, like you saw my wife just pull out. She just went to go pick up our daughter and she gets out of school at two thirty. Um, but I, I can't really remember what that life was like. Yeah. You're, you're, you're like, everybody's so busy now with kids. You're like, man, what did I do without kids? Why, how was I so busy? Right. <laughs> yeah. I remember like, man, why was I like, I get more done now just because, I mean, they make me planners. Yeah. Like, I never wrote stuff down. I never, like, had a, like, a calendar. And now <laughs> sure. it's like, I mean, I can tell you what I'm doing until May. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Out of necessity. Yeah, just like, I mean, my yeah. wife and I'll sit down about once a week and be like, all right, let's hammer it out. Yeah. And especially when I'm on the road to have an idea. Yeah, of course. Where you are, what are you doing, and, you know, vice versa. Like, I want to know what's going on. And, yeah. You know. So how has your... I mean, I'm sure there's a hundred different ways you could answer this question and we could spend the whole episode here, but just kind of in a nutshell, like how has your life as a pro changed since having kids to, yeah, since having kids. So, I mean, just in every, every sense of that question of your priorities, your ability to practice your schedule. I mean, a lot of what we were talking about of you guys moving, we can kind of get into some of that here, but. Um, I mean, just how, what has that transition been like becoming a dad on tour? A lot of it just makes you a lot more disciplined and cause you're, you know, trying to be a good steward of what you have on, uh, on the road, playing professional golf and everything that kind of comes along with that. But you're also trying to be a good steward of your family and, and uh, being there for them and kind of all aspects of what that looks like. And, you know, trying to have a happy balance between the two of them, but it, I, I said this in another podcast I did. I said, how's having a family on the road? I said, they're the best distraction ever. Yeah. And I was like, your family's a distraction? Like, that's a horrible thing to say. It's like, no, when you look at it from my perspective, it makes me get away from what I do. Mm-hmm. Like, I come through the door. My son's a little older now, and he knows what ShotLink is, like, through the <laughs> app on tour, which is not necessarily, it's like, Dad, you made a lot of bogeys today. <laughs> but, Dad, what was going on? <laughs> like, you three-putted, like, five times. Like, Thanks, son. Like, so I've got my little six-year-old middle coach, <laughs> but the idea of like, That's awesome. I mean, he, he may say some stuff that just completely off the wall, yeah. but at the end of the day, he's like, that doesn't matter. Yeah. And, you know, I've had days where I came in and shot the best round of my career and it was like, uh, what are we eating for dinner? Yeah. Or I just come right back into what they're doing. And I think that's, it's humbling in a sense, especially when you get those good days, like, let me tell you all what I did today. And they're like, completely don't care. Yeah. But also on the other days, you like build the, Legos with me, like the, the tough days, you know, when I come back and it's like, man, the course just beat me down or, you know, played horrible or whatever. And I come back and my daughter's like, you know, she's big into, will you snuggle me at the most random times? None of it makes sense, especially when you're dealing with a three-year-old little girl. 
And I mean, she's hit me a couple times this year, like, especially like the time I needed it. It's like, she almost knew I needed it. Yeah. She's like, I just like, I could be doing whatever, just as long as I'm holding her and like carrying her around. So like things like that, especially my wife too, like she loves and supports and what I do day in, day out on tour. But I think the reality is that, I mean, she's kind of managing the chaos of our family and I'm trying to come along and beside her and kind of help her do that as well. So, you know, 68 or 78 doesn't really make a difference. I mean, she want, not that she's not supportive, but I like coming into that to where what I do for a living doesn't really define, you know, kind of my role as a husband and a father. So it's, it's that difference of, you know, the, because you're in the limelight, you know, you're in the, you're that public figure where, you know, what Mike and I do on a daily basis for our jobs, I mean, we, we have the conversation with our wives about it, but they don't, there's not as much of an ability for them to know it on their own, right? Yeah. For our kids to know it on their own, independently of us telling them. So you kind of have that front, but it, that sounds, it sounds like you guys got there without it even really being a conversation. It's just the team around, again, going back to your, your networks, your teams, like you just, you got the right people around you at the right times, man. And that's family is, it's so important that it is that, you know? Yeah. Like uh, there's been many times that I will have a conversation with my wife. I'm like, just waiting for her to be like, Hey, great, great plan today. She's like, what did you shoot? (laughs) But I mean, if you spend a day with her and understanding like school drop offs and her trying to do her stuff with the house and kind of everything goes along. It's like, I mean, how do you have time to do anything? Yeah. And so me just trying not to get my feelings hurt. It's like, I played really good today. Yeah, everything's fine. (laughs) Everything's fine. Like, uh, but also it's just me. It feels like the, she's like, oh, I'm really sorry you had a tough day. I was like, you saw that round, but you didn't see this round. Like, (laughs) I won. Yeah. (laughs) But her just seeing like, you know, the both sides of it and just, you know, they want nothing. There's no doubt in my mind. They want nothing but me to do my absolute best while I'm out there. But when I have an opportunity to come home and be dad and, and be a husband, like that's what I look forward to. Yeah. And, and coming back and kind of getting away. Cause as much as I love to play, as much as I love to prep and get ready, like it, it definitely can get monotonous and, you know, coming back into their, the chaos that we have here is something that is very refreshing. Yeah, it's grounding. As chaotic as it is, it's yes, grounding. Very, yeah. very much so. Yeah, there's calm in the storm. Um, so you are, we, we touched on it before we smashed record for this episode, but you, you are traveling, we'll round up, like 700 days a year. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Like you're, you're a prophet, like truly you, uh, 250, I mean, 280 days, just yeah. a substantial amount of travel through the year. Um, the age of your kids, you've been able to split time through Arizona to here, um, and you've now landed Knoxville kind of full time. Um, you're on this next generation because of your age of kids, um, kind of, of staying more rooted in Knoxville. Um, talk to me about where you are mentally with kind of the, the amount of travel coming up and the amount of stay at home that the rest of your family has. Cause this is kind of the first glimpse where you're getting to live that. Yeah. My family traveled the first week of September to our first term was in Greenbrier and their next term it will be in March. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a wow. huge, from a family that traveled every almost every week, ninety yeah. percent of the time, probably, yeah. to like, oh, that's like almost six months. Yeah, and so that's a big deal. And you know, kind of 
and everyone's like, why did you come back from Arizona? Like we went to Arizona because of kids and we came back to Knoxville because of kids. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to move to a place where my time in the off season was not dictated by something I had no control over. And that was the weather. Unfortunately, I mean, my sport, you have to be outside. Yeah. I mean, I can hit balls in here. You guys see the net and everything. But I mean, that's what else do you need? I mean, that's just like, you know, something it's like running on a treadmill as yeah. a marathoner. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that I, that's a great example. Yeah. I mean, I can come in here and hit for hours, but yeah. I mean, am I really getting better? Am I just swinging? Or yeah. obviously, there's a bunch of arguments to that, but I need to be outside. Yeah. And so I, I basically visited when my wife was pregnant. We went and visited everywhere. And we ended up in Scottsdale and we lived there for six years and we had a blast. We absolutely loved it. And so it was a little bit bittersweet when we, we sold our place out there and, and moved back. But we're here. We've had this land for a while now since my son was born. And we always knew this eventually where we we're going to end up. And so we moved in finally in June and this is where we're going to be. Nice, man. Do you, um, it seems like you're very methodical and kind of thinking through things. Sometimes. Yeah, sure. Well, <laughs> so the things that you need to maybe, um, I'm sure that you guys, as you guys have prepared for this change of the family not being on the road with you, I mean, have you guys kind of put in a game plan of what that's going to look like? Like you're staying in touch with everyone. Like, is it going to be that it's, we're going to, you know, daddy's going to FaceTime us daily or we're going to try to fly out on Fridays every other Friday to see him in a tournament or like, have you guys kind of started executing we, some of that or the goal right now is to know more than two weeks. Straight. Okay. And with the way that I've set my schedule up, I'm, I'm going to be able to do that. I'm, the first one in the year is about two and a half, but a little bit of that's logistics, just getting in the West coast. Yeah. Um, and, but after that, we, I have one four-week stretch in Florida, but they're going to be with me about almost two weeks of that. Cool. So with the way spring break works and stuff. And, I mean, a lot of that decision-making was going into where we sent our kids to school. Yeah. And, you know, I, I went to public school my whole life. My wife did as well. So the idea of actually in the private school and understanding, like, what that looks like and the ability, like, man, I, we, we were very upfront with his teacher. Like, if it gets... Our family is more important than this, mm-hmm. especially, I mean, elementary school, not the education is not important. I'm going to get some direct message like, you hate school. Like, no, I think school is great. And our son is thriving at his school. Yeah. And counting to 10 is different yeah. than. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, but just the opportunity, the, like, to be able to pull them out yeah. if, you know, yeah. they're having a tough time or I'm having a tough time. And, um, but also we moved back to Tennessee too, so we could, both of our families are here and that's huge the support system support. And, and just the ability to, my wife's not the greatest at asking for help, but if she needs it, she knows it's there. And I think yeah. just the fact that there's that is comforting. And that's you huge. know, it's there. So yeah. it's that if you need, feel like you need to pull that plug, because like, my wife is the same way and she's very stubborn about asking for help at times when she needs it. But there's been times where I'll edit that out, Michelle. Yeah. I'll take that. out. <laughs> no, leave yeah. it in. It'll be good. We'll see if she actually is listening. But, um, there's been those times where I don't travel a ton, but when I've been around some of like, you know, shooting a text to my parents and be like, Hey, why don't, why don't you guys swing by the house and just be an extra set of hands for a hot minute, you know, just of yeah. that because it's nice to have it, you yeah. know? So it's kind of, you know, that that's there too when you need it. But the reality of the weather that we live in, it kind of hit my wife pretty hard 
Because, I mean, in Arizona, we I, I, you never even thought about the weather. Yeah. You know, it's going to be cool in the mornings. It's going to be beautiful during the day. It's going to be cool at night. That was it. You never really, like, I may, I may need to keep a jacket in the car, and that'd be... I mean, we had some days about a month ago when it got, like, frigid. Yeah, like when we had that snow in November. <laughs> yeah. and But just by living here and having the option to have some family around, she decided Friday, I was I played in Mexico about, I don't know, a month or so ago. And, oh, it, we were in Mexico when it snowed. <laughs> so we saw the weather coming up, and she's like, my next time to see really warm weather is in March. I'm going to Mexico. I was like, for real, you want to go? And we've never done that. Yeah. I mean, and I mean, obviously we've traveled together a, a lot, but just like, I'm going to leave the kids. We're going to figure out who's going to watch them and take care of them. But I'm going to go with you for like two or three days. And it was great. We had a blast. That's huge. But we couldn't do that in Arizona. Right. We could do that here. And so having the option of yeah. like seeing things like that and kind of learning like that's okay. Mm-hmm. And you don't need to be there for a week. Like two or three days is a lot. And, you know, just for us being together and like, that was something like, all right, moving to Tennessee was definitely the right thing for us. Cause we wouldn't have this chance to do this otherwise. Sure. Both of both sets of parents are very willing to help. And, uh, it's been enjoyable to see kind of them kind of coming back into the kids' lives as sure. a little bit more regular basis. It's like Mike said, it's that next generation, which is always frightening or can be frightening or intimidating on the front end but then it's like once you kind of start getting into it and learning that routine it's like okay like you can see the pros and cons of both but it sounds like there's a ton more pros here for you guys on this one than than cons Mm -hmm. so you've got um you as a a human being um honestly for as young as we've talked about, like just a lot of discipline, a lot of focus, um, uh, just a lot of drive for whatever path that you've chosen to take. Um, what if one of your kids grows up with that amount of drive and passion and tries to take the same professional route? Um, how do you, how do you imagine embracing that? It'll be very interesting because we're in the process of just starting like sports. Yeah. We're doing flag football. We're doing basketball. Yesterday, we had a mix-up with the schedule, so my son Finn's team was supposed to play in the afternoon. Well, their opponent got a schedule that they were supposed to play next Sunday, not this Sunday. So we had a dad's uh, versus kid's scrimmage. <laughs> yeah. It was <laughs> hilarious. Uh-huh. I mean, the – I don't know. I said the number of injuries come from church league basketball, but dad's playing five and six year olds and, <laughs> and pick up scrimmage. I mean, there was some scrapping and pawn and all this and that of everyone trying to, you know, get the ball from the dad. So that was that's funny. awesome. But transitioning into like, I play a professional sport for a living. So the ultra competitiveness of parents and especially like flag football, man, we got dads out there keeping stats and sure. Oh, goodness gracious, man. Sure. Like, I know what the tip of the spear looks like, and not that that makes me some expert at all things sports. Perspective. But I know that, like, I just want him to go out there and enjoy it, and he's eventually going to figure out something that he wants to maybe focus on a little bit more. But right now, as a dad, I want to expose him to all of it. And he wants to do it once, or he wants to do whatever we tell him. If you're going to commit to this, like, you're going to see it through. Mm -hmm. And then we can decide at the end, hey, I hated that, or no, I loved it, I want to do it again. Like, when he started flag football, I remember first practice, like, ah, I don't – 
I don't know about this. Now he's like, can you sign him up for winter and the spring? <laughs> like just him deciding that that's something he wanted to pursue. Yeah. And, I'm and your son is six. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to be diligent of that to give him that opportunity. Yeah. And, you know, some sports I know a little bit more about than others, but I mean, I feel like you go to any kind of child's athletics and you always see the one like ultra competitive parent or sure. Uh, Our last episode was uh, about hobbies and uh, with kids uh, bonding with kids through hobbies. And it was, it was, it's all about like how we over parent, sh- like over hobby, the shit out of our kids and just to the nines all for the, like ourselves, like, yeah. <laughs> all for the, like we live in ourselves and like, we want to live that competitiveness through our kids. I mean, it pushes that to the, like the negative aspects of it all. And pe- parents get uh, pretty irate about uh, that whole equation, man. It's pretty weird. It's funny how like kids are super observant. It's like my the, my son had their first game on Saturday of basketball, and they lost. And you know my my son scored and you know played. I mean that was the first basketball game ever. Yeah, he's like, Dad, that was great. He's like, Why was that dad so mad? It's <laughs> like, buddy, I have no idea. He sold the show. I said, I said, did you have fun? Yeah. He's like, I had a great time. Yeah. It's like I, I wish we would have won, but like. I said, man, you keep that attitude. Yeah. And Go like, far. everything else is going to fall into place. But there, there's a time and a place for that, like ultra competitiveness. And at six years old, I come. <laughs> it shouldn't be there, man. I deal with it a lot more, obviously, in the, in the golf side with the, I do a bunch of junior golf stuff and, uh, you know, trying to promote the game from a, a beginning side and just seeing like, I got my kid doing this. I got my kid doing that. And there's nothing wrong with wanting the best for your kids. Sure. Cause I, mm-hmm. there's nothing more than I want for the best for my kids. But when like the, you often find yourself talking to dads that have their own. So agenda. I, I did a junior tournament for a long time where I had a kids meeting where they could ask me anything and the parents weren't there. Yeah. And then I did the flip where I, I could be with the parents and the kids weren't there. Yeah. Man, some of these questions were just. Absolutely. I needed I, one dad asked me a question. I was like, I just need a second. So I don't say something I'm a complete regret because my initial reaction was horrible. Yeah, sure. You but don't need just, to know your eight year old's VO2 max, man. Yeah. <laughs> just or, or, or just like, you know, we, we provide all these you know great opportunities for, for these kids that I don't feel like they're, you know, they appreciate, they, they appreciate what I'm doing yeah. for them. It's like, God. they're nine. Oh, wow. Yeah. They're nine. Yeah. Like what? Why should they? Yeah. If this is the only thing they've ever known, like how should they be appreciative? This is just a, another yeah. day. So who are you? Whose agenda are you serving at that point? Right. Yeah. And I think that's when like the parents' agenda kind of gets in the way of the kids, and like you see so much burnout, especially in the like higher technical sports. Yep. You know, golf and yep. tennis for sure. And I d- deal zero in tennis, but golf is something that I'm very well versed in. And zero. The, I deal zero. <laughs> and that's rounding up too. But seeing the, you know, that kind of push into the ultra competitive is not something that I look forward to in youth sports, but yeah. I know that that's something that's inevitable and, but for now, just providing him as many opportunities to go out there and figure out what he wants to be a part of and, you know, 
helping him pursue that to try to figure out what that is. Yeah, that's, that's cool. awesome. If he takes it to the track, <laughs> fast forward to where he's 17, 18, and he is, um, let's, all right, I'm going to make this up. He wants to go through golf, and he's like, he's like a six out of 10, and you're doing your damnedest, and he's like, he's all, he's balls to the wall, wants to do this, and he's like a six out of a 10. Like, where do you find yourself? He like support, like, this is like, what I create in my head. Like you supporting that? Are you like, dude, we need to work on school. We <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he is, I mean, every parent, I feel like my son's super smart. Sure. Sure. I mean, like he was explaining to me yesterday why he thinks that most of the reindeer on Santa Slay are girls <laughs> because something about their antlers. I'm like, buddy, you've passed dad's comprehension yeah. as far as what you're talking about. He's like, no dad, this is real. I'm like, okay. That's awesome. But my reindeer knowledge is about as much as my tennis knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> yes. We're outside of the scope now. You know, you want to talk about hitting like 50-yard bump and runs? Like, I got it. <laughs> but, you know, reindeer anatomy is not not really my thing. And, but I, Check I think, underneath the tail, son. I think that I would, pers- you know, I, I hope that I would, you know, continue to support and pursue, but also... A strong dose of reality is never a bad thing. Yeah, yeah, Not yeah. that I want to be a dream killer by any means, but I think that I think my son would be a lot easier to deal with than my daughter. Because <laughs> <laughs> right now, right now, the volatilities of a three-year-old, very emotional little girl yeah. is like, whoa. <laughs> I'm gonna. I, I need to go play in a tournament this weekend. Now like. I, we told we told my wife because my wife is very. Cut and dry, like no BS, like this This is how it is. And my daughter is very much the same way. They are so much alike, it is comical. Yeah. And the emotional swings, I told my son, I was like, buddy, when you, your sister turns about 13, we need to plan. We need to figure it out, like what we're going to do, because we're not ready for this. <laughs> so, I, told you, I told you before we started, my dad travels and traveled a lot when I was growing up, like close to your numbers of on the road. And my mom and sister are the same way. And I still to this day, I mean, he it's like one of my dad's favorite stories to tell is I called him. My sister was about 13, 14. She was in high school and I'm a couple years old. I was, I think, a junior or senior in high school at the time. I guess I was a senior in high school at the time. And I called him one day. I was like, you need to get your shit home because I am over these two women in this house right now yeah. <laughs> being at it with each other. And he was like... It's the first time I ever realized I kind of left you, hung you out to dry, being at the house with your mom and your sister all, I mean, all the time like that. 100%, if, if, I, if I'm playing on the road, I can totally see like my son calling me like, hey, I got on your Delta app and I booked a flight. I'm coming to the tournament. Mexico sounds great right now, Dad. Like I'm leaving these women here. Like I, I could, and he's to the, like I could totally see. you be your caddy for life, man. Totally see, Dad, I'm caddying here. I'm over Mama Millie. Uh-huh. And, that's the way it goes. I love that's it. That's awesome. So I, what we were really, I mean, all that's fantastic, but we, I was really interested in, and in, as we were preparing to talk with you, kind of this, your journey on kind of becoming your optimal self, this I don't know, path you've been on over the last couple of years, it's been pretty transformative, it seems like, for yeah. you. Yeah, that's probably a good way to describe it. <laughs> sitting in the bar, it's not, it's anybody that follows you uh, knows it, but uh, sitting here in your bar and I'm staring at two signs that say, rent is due, pay the man. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah. So, so take us, take us through like beginning chapters of um, what started this 
transformation for you? The, 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 the whys and the how. Yeah. My son was born in 2013. And up until that point, I mean, I had an unbelievable start to my career. I'd won a couple times. And then right after he was born, I won again. And, you know, as hard as it is to say, I mean, I basically took everything I had on tour for granted. Thought, man, I'm going to kind of just swing it around and everything's going to continue down this path. Well, as, you know, he started getting a little bit older, started kind of seeing some things kind of slow down a little bit in terms of like the way I felt. And next thing you know, like. Did your I, like personal dedication kind of slip? Or no, was not, it? not in terms of like how I, I played or prepped. I mean, I, I wasn't the most disciplined human uh, in terms of like how I go about it on the course. And none of us I, are before kids. <laughs> but just seeing, like, man, I just don't feel like maybe I think I should. And so I started training a little bit. Uh, kind of getting into the gym and you know f- figuring some things out, but I mean this was a long drawn out process and kind of transform into uh, this was 2015, a one in 2014 and a transform go over into 2015, and I started really kind of diving into like man what it what is like the best picture of me look like and asking some tough questions and spending a lot of time in doctor's offices because I had some things wrong with me that I didn't necessarily know. And I found out pretty fast that, like, ignorance is not an excuse. Like, it's something that just people rely upon and just kind of throw their hands up. It's like, oh, I didn't know. And, I mean, you only get one chance at this. Mm-hmm. Like, this is all you get. <laughs> yep. And the $6 million man is, like, a fabrication and uh, in my mind, I was like, oh, if if something goes wrong, we'll just figure out, like, man, I'm just such a poor steward of what I had in terms of my body and just didn't treat it well. And it wasn't necessarily like a, uh indulgence thing. It was just a more uh, a lack of any kind of plan. I'm going to do what I want when I want, and I'm going to work out hard, or then I'm going to eat horrible, or then I'm going to – you know, kind of all over the place. There was no, I, there was no plan. And it was just kind of a wing it and hope for the best. And, um, 2015 was kind of the beginning of about the worst I've ever felt in my life. And I remember playing the players on Saturday with my buddy Webb Simpson and we were walking down the 16th hole and he turned around and he said, man, I have no idea what's wrong with you, but like it's, it's, wow, time. it's time. That's tough. I mean, I just, I, I looked horrible. I felt horrible. I got some pictures over there on top. I did the thing with the, um, inside the PGA tour and they did like, a my, the pictures from all nine years I've been on tour. Yeah. And man, you can tell the rough patch of like, yeah. Holy cow. Before and after. And, yeah. I mean, God bless my wife. I mean, she had to deal with all that. And I was like, man, there's no doubt you truly love me. Cause if you can love me through this, you can love me through anything. <laughs> And, and you're not just talking the physical aspect there. You're talking just, just who you were or yeah. where you were in your life. And and the intentions were were good, but just the overall, the ability to put, you know, A and B and C together as far as what that looked like. And uh, it kind of culminated um, with with a lot of different things, but I ended up at a, a doctor's office in UCLA and 
he was a diagnostician for the like the adrenal system, and they thought I had potentially had two autoimmune things, Cushing's and Addison's. Wow! And I went out there and I got tested for everything. This was like it was a Colonel Sanders and House combined. <laughs> yeah. Older guy in his seventies, bright white hair. But basically, what he did was he just went and figured out what was wrong with you. Yeah. All this testing, this and that. And he walked in uh, after I was li- like thirty six hours. I was in out there and got tested for everything you could think of. And he walked in. And he's like, "I'm gonna tell you this." He's like, "I'm confident you're not gonna die." And I said, "Sir, if I truly knew, and I've said this in every interview I've ever done, I said, sir, if I knew that that was an option here, I don't think I would have come." And he's like, "Well, if you're in my office, it's an option because I tell people every single day they have something that can't be cured." Huh. Whoa! Like, and that's when I hit it hit me. Huh. Like, you only get one shot at this. That's a big wake up. A hundred percent. I called my wife from the Uber. I was going back to the airport and I said, I apologize. I said, the man that you know, he's gone. He's gone. Like that? Immediately. Like that. I said, I don't know how long this is going to take. I don't know truly what this looks like, but I'm going to fix it. The mental, the physical, everything that goes along with it. I don't know if this is a five month. I don't know if this is a five year. I don't know what this looks like, but... I'm sorry, and I could care less about golf. I think I could care at that moment. I could completely care less if I ever played again. And everyone's like, "Oh man, you, you played throughout that." I mean, golf was not my priority. Sure. I mean, I was able the the ability to be able to play and, and somewhat compete on tour was a bonus. Sure, just through the whole process, and but. Everyone looks back to what was the defining moment sitting across that desk from that guy. I will never forget that. And him kind of looking at me, and he basically wrote down some basic medical tests that I could do to kind of evaluate, like, what part of my overall health could be affected and kind of put the pieces together as far as what the best version of you look like. And came back to Tennessee and started doing some tests and, figure out that I had uh, some major uh, sinus issues that were affecting my sleep and had surgery to rectify that and, you know, kind of slowly but surely fixing, like, little things here and there and one at a time. Small improvements. Everyone asked me, like, what's the number one thing that you can do to, like, to make this, you know, to make this step into, you know, kind of pursuing a better life? And I said, man, you make one better decision a day, just a little bit more often and then start to build off of that. And then it's everyone tries, well, I'm going to work out. I'm going to eat right. I'm going to sleep great. I'm never going to indulge. And I was like, <laughs> all right, I give that about a week. Yeah, you failed already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you're done. There's Because it's that's completely unattainable. Sure. I mean, I feel like I'm pretty disciplined, and I still have moments where I look like, crap, man, i got to be better tomorrow. Sure. And, you know, there's just like little things kind of go into it and – just like we were talking about with the kids stuff and when they ask the hard questions, like the moment that you put your head in the sand and, hey, this is never going to happen to me. Like, okay, let's talk about it is going to happen to you and what you're going to deal with it when yeah. it comes. And so I, I, think, I think a lot of people look into some of the changes that I've made and like there was no like mad scientist or 
I mean, I have a, a you know some doctors to thank and some people that kind of helped me put the pieces together. But ultimately, it was surrounding myself with a core group of guys. I mean, you saw the guy Adam. I mean, he's my trainer and my PT. But I mean, that guy's one of my best friends in the world. And he came alongside me in probably the toughest part of my life and my career and showed me an outlet. And you're in it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're this is my outlet. Yeah. And this is where I go to get away. And I'm not trying to say that I can, I agree with, you know, ending in some kind of, uh, when you're going through tough times, whether it's indulgence in, you know, drugs or alcohol or any kind of other thing to kind of help you get away. But I was very, very blessed to have him come alongside me. He showed me this and this is where I knew that I could come in and this is where I felt my best. And so in a good day, in a bad day, I knew that I was going to end up in here in some yeah. form or fashion. Um, I would feel very, very fortunate. I know a lot of people don't have those situations where they had someone come alongside and just, yeah. I'm going to help you through this. Yeah. And he was my guy. Again, kind of like your school. Yeah, you I mean, that seems to be kind of your journey is yeah. that you you seem to, by choice and by dumb luck at times too, you seem to get those right people in place. Yeah around you no there's no doubt i remember when he asked me about coming on the road i had always thought about it in my mind of like having him be there with me and i remember when he first brought it up like i freaked out and i was like oh we can't do that like i was like <laughs> oh my gosh and i called him back like, no 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 we Sorry, and, and coming back, but just that when you kind of in your mind you get in, it's like, all right, this is what this looks like, and that would be great. And then it finally comes to fruition. You're like, did I just say no? And that could happen. Yeah, but it was, I mean, definitely one of the biggest blessings of having him. And everyone talks about my family not traveling. I was just getting ready to say, like, the ability to have other guys come alongside that are in the same. We have some a group of guys are similar age, similar age kids, and what that looks like of having you know people in the same spot. You yeah, are. the camaraderie of of that whole misery. Not that it's yeah. miserable, but that misery loves company component of like you're all leaving your wives and kids and going and doing this together and kind of in that same place. Yeah, that first moment of like, oh, my kid did something great today, and I wasn't there. Yeah, I got a video of it, or I got a I got a phone call like. Dad, I did this awesome thing at school, but you weren't there. And just knowing what that's going to feel like. Yeah. And I don't think anyone intends to do that on purpose, but that's just, that is going to happen. Yeah. And be able to have somebody, man, that sucked. Yeah. Like, I did not like the way that felt. Yeah. But also another to kind of talk through it. Yeah. So. And it's weird how unsympathetic we would have been pre-kids. Not unsympathetic, but like you can't, you like, can't relate you, to there's it. There's no relating. Yeah. Um, if you don't have kids, um, ha- having those people that are in that same life stage is paramount. We sit in that role as the stay-at-home dads in our relationships with our wives and our, in our families. And I mean, that's a really hard dynamic at time for our spouses of they feel like they're missing out on that piece and then trying to reverse that gender role and be sympathetic on that front of... I'm sorry you weren't there today when Nolan ate toilet bowl cleaner, but like we're fine, you know. Like I mean, sure. you just you miss sure. that's that is that's such a weird balancing act of being the significant other in that role. You know, your wife wants to share those moments with you, I'm sure, but also knows like, hey, you're focused on this right now. But then there's also those times where it's like she's having a really shitty day, and it's like I just need my person 
to be yeah. able to vent to you about my shit. And it doesn't matter where you are and what you're doing. You need to stop and listen to me for a few minutes. Cause. Yeah, it's funny. We had the conversation like, do you want my opinion on this or do you just want to tell me about it? And <laughs> Dude, it's an important question. Two completely different conversations. <laughs> but I'm happy to do either, but just help give, me. Give Let me, me know. Give me a little bit of like preview and then I'm going to continue. Yeah. But also we've had the conversation about the kids like being on the road. Do you... Like, do you want me to send you videos of the kids' stuff? Or do you want... I was like, I want it all. all, all and she time. said, if that was me, I would not want them. Wow. But no, just like, I would... I don't I, mean I, wow I, in a bad I, way, but like I that. would not be... But it's just different. Able to handle that. Yeah. She's just like, I, that would just... That would get me. Yeah. yeah. That's fair. Yeah, that would get me. And even to the point, like, if she's doing something out and around town and I have the kids doing something and I send her a picture and she's like, this just proves the point that, like... I got that picture of Millie doing this and I'm going to see her in an hour. And I felt like I missed out. Yeah. Let alone that you're going to be on the road for 14 days. Yeah. And you're going to get 14 days of that. Yeah. Like just as a, but that's where the dialogue has to be open the entire time of like, you know what? I'm having a tough time, like feeling like I'm missing out. Like, please save all the pictures and videos you have, but I just, I, I don't need that right now. Yeah. That's just a constant reminder of, what I'm missing. And kind of learning what that looks like. Yeah. So that's kind of that, like, that continual, I'm going to try to go a little bit larger scale with this, but that's kind of that continual mental growth and gain factor of your own, like, personal needs, intelligence, value, like where you are in that. And I think what I'm, what we've gathered from you is like, that's a big, I mean, golf is such a mental sport to begin with parenting is such a mental sport <laughs> to begin with. And it seems like that's a big piece of whether it be subconsciously or consciously, like that's a big piece of your, this improvement and this change in this season of your life that you've been working towards. Is that fair? Very fair. Um, and I know like we were talking, one of our questions we put on our guest questionnaire is always like just favorite books, music, that kind of stuff, just so we can get to know our guests a little better. I know you put a couple of, Malcolm Gladwell's and Ryan Holiday's books on there. I mean, those are just the perpetual or like the definition of thought provoking in every word you read in those. Um, but they're almost like a textbook. I feel like at times too, for kind of getting you into that next phase or on that next level. Yeah. My, my wife's cousin sent me uh, outliers when it came out, whatever yeah. it was. And I'm not a great reader, not at all. And, uh, and if my wife listens to this, she's like, man, he's read 10 books in his life. And, but I think you have I, me by one. The, the ones that I have, like, if I'm going to read it, like, I'm going to get something out of it. And, like, I think in that questionnaire, I wrote a couple Malcolm Gladwell, Ryan Holiday, and then The Extreme Ownership by Jocko. Yeah, that and, one I haven't read or heard of before. And talk about getting punched in the face by some a dose of reality. Yeah. Go follow him on social media and listen to his podcasts and the stuff that he's dealt with. I mean, he was the SEAL commander in the Battle of Ramadi in Iraq. And it was like, I have literally nothing to complain about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Here yeah. I am in That's the barn and life you. is fine. Yes. <laughs> yeah. My workout was kind of hard today. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's it. That's it. Uh, 
but I, I think, you know, kind of putting those outside influences in, and Adam, who you guys met earlier, I, I referenced a few times, like, we'll go through one. And we did extreme ownership. We did um, the obstacles away. And he's doing right now uh, the James Clear. I'm not familiar with that. Uh, I, I, I maybe messed up the first name, but Atomic Habits. Oh, okay. And I may have messed up the author's name, but he's going through that. And then I'm, I did the Stillness by Ryan Holiday. And we're going to kind of flip back over. Yeah. So I'm excited to crack into stillness. You need to, I need to get one of those in your hands before you leave town today. Cause they're good stuff, man. Yeah, dude. Awesome. They're yeah. super fun. The, awesome. And I liked your approach. We were talking offline before the podcast and you were saying you read a chapter a day of Ryan's, which yeah. I like that approach. Cause it's mentally exhausting reading his book sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's good the way that he kind of sets it up. Cause all the stories are individual. individual. Yeah. And so you could take a day or two off and you kind of fall into the next one. Yeah. He'll kind of tie them all together and some of his other books, he it kind of talks in the middle of them instead of kind of tells the individual story. Yeah, the stillness is wild. When we go to Austin to do some Onnit stuff in March, uh, him and I are going to hopefully try to get together. That's awesome, man! I would I, love I, to I meet would, that guy. He seems like just a super great dude, especially from like the the like stoic principles that you know, he kind of. We have two of them that are going to go. One is going to go right above the treadmill. Very cool, and. Uh, um, Actually, just got the proof of it today. Um, but like being able to kind of manage all of those, they're pretty applicable to any part of what you're doing. Yeah. But especially when you're dealing sports and health and fitness and everything kind of goes along with it, you kind of pick and choose. And, you know, it'd be awesome to kind of pick his brain. Well, and he, Mike Ryan's a, he's a dad of two, I think. And he's got like probably yeah. close to your kids or a little bit younger than yours, very, even very probably. Um, but he's a young dude and like, Big runner, swimmer. I mean, he's yeah. that guy. That guy lives and breathes everything that he preaches. Yeah. But this is one that's going to go right above the treadmill. It says no citizen has the right to be an amateur in the matter matter of physical training. What a disgrace it is for a man to grow old without ever seeing the beauty and strength of what his body is capable of. Nice. Socrates. I guess I'm not eating M and M's on the couch nice. tonight. <laughs> so. I mean, none of the guys that we train with are big runners at all. Like, I'm probably the the better of the runners of all that we train with, and that is average at best. Yeah. <laughs> and so I put it, anytime we do any kind of like running intervals or stuff, we all hate it. And so we're going to put it right in that's front of the That's a good one over the treadmill. Nice. We're just over there just trying not to die. Nice. Love so, it. But that's going to go up there. And we got a couple others that are going around. But a lot of that came from just reading some of his stuff. And yeah. As far as how he puts it out there. So more uh, more tools in your tool belt. You're big with the um, the Onnit crew, and uh, you're big with uh, the Whoop um, mm-hmm. folks as well. Um, big in your normal daily routine. Yeah, working with Onnit is great as far as how they like the principles of if you train well, recover well, prepare well, you will do everything you possibly can to you know have the best version of yourself 365 days a year. Yeah. Whoop's been great. I've uh, worn it for three or four years now. Cool. And it's been cool to help their kind of development team. Yeah. You know, I think now, Mike and I both want one now. After I, 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 I really want to get one for my wife. Uh, now, right if now. you look at it on tour, there's, I mean, 30, 40 guys wearing them. Yeah. And with, wow. the, with the, the stuff we deal with day in, day out with the travel and the prep and the training yeah. and the practice yeah. and everything, it's nice to have a little bit of kind of a, 
an idea of like what does this gauge. look like? Yeah, like give me a gauge as far as like okay. where I'm at. Two different life yeah. phases, just seeing the impact that it has on uh, for yeah. sure, and just the importance of like you. Nobody sleeps to the point of where they can. My wife laughs at me. She's like, "Our room is an experiment." <laughs> like sometimes I come in as like, "What happened?" <laughs> like we've got sound machines and dark shades, and we got this uh, this guy in the corner who knows and, it. You know, we got. Uh, I just got this thing. This have you heard of a chili pad? No. It's a hydroponic, which sounds like a big word, but basically. <laughs> It is a temperature-controlled pad that goes right underneath your fitted sheet on your bed. Oh, I need that in my life. And it temperature controls, and you can change it throughout the night. Oh, God, I need so that. So basically, the, the the best version of your sleep is the most consistent sleep. Yep. Like, so you set the temperature, uh, and it keeps yeah, your temperature. Yeah, it kind of um, regulates yeah, like as, as the night goes. But the most consistent... You know, sleep environment that you can create is is the best version. So something your body can rely upon. Yeah. So she was laughing at me. She's like, "What? Like, how did we get here? (laughs) (laughs) This is where we are now. This is where we are now. On the flip side, how can you create that? Doesn't that just mean everywhere else you sleep is a shit show? Like, how do you recreate that on the road? Yeah, it is. But it is. (laughs) But it, it knows. Like, I know what that looks like at home. So if you don't know, like what, what provides the best and, you know, having some kind of analytics, whether it's whoop or, you know, some people use an aura ring or, you know, whatever Whatever it is, whatever you choose. But to have an idea of like, man, when I, when I do this, this is when I get the best version of my recovery. And so, I mean, I try to create that and I want my best night's sleep to be with her at home. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I want that man. I know I'm getting ready to be home. For a week, like I know I'm coming back to that. Yeah. I just slept in this crappy hotel bed for a week, and you know I made the best I could, but I know where I'm going to. Yep. That's think, a it's a pretty good goal to have. Just rough, but it was. We got done, and he said, "Man, if you'd have told me a year ago that I was going to do this and and like thrive, like I, I would never have known that until I put myself in that situation of just to suffer a little bit." And I think that's pretty applicable in all aspects and parenting life job everything like there's a lot of ways that you can put that situation where it can you can learn a lot from yeah of course so i I know finn's only six and there's only so much that you can expose a six-year-old to along some of those fronts but did you uh do you follow any do you follow eric burns at all or know his story at all Uh, yes okay so i that dude is crazy yeah, I lived in Scottsdale. And oh, that's right. Had, he was—I forgot yeah. about that. So you know him? I, I've never met him, but we have a lot of mutual <laughs> friends. But yes, I'm aware. I crack up at um, that. I mean, he's in Tahoe. It looks like a lot of the time now. So yeah. he does these snow baths and whatever. But he, like the other day, he had his daughter out in the snow with him, like five thirty in the morning. Like they were just laying there, and he's like, "What's up, young Gohard?" I'm like, "This guy is." Fantastic. <laughs> like, yeah. How old is his daughter? Uh, he's got like three or four kids, I think. Yeah. I and mean, he's got a lot. But it was just, it. I see so many similarities on some of that stuff with you guys. And and, it, and and again, another big subscriber to the Ryan Holiday thing, to all that piece of it. But it's like, do you when are you going to get the kids in the ice bath with you? I'm, they've had small doses. It, obviously, <laughs> it, it, sending your kids to the ER with hypothermia would be frowned upon. You can text me first. Michelle will take care of them. But the uh, <laughs> the 
they will get in the cold a little bit. They don't love it. But just the idea of like once you kind of get in, learn to breathe yourself down and, you know, you can manage with about anything. Um, but, I mean, I wasn't like that. I was the guy that got in and out in 30 seconds. And, yeah. You know, now I can sit in there and um, we got a couple other guys that have freezers. And, you know, we, we were at my buddy Scott's house and his water was 35 degrees. Oh, and you learn a lot about yourself sitting in there. <laughs> His wife's laughing at us. I mean, it's 40 degrees outside. We're running around the driveway in our underwear. It's like, y'all are a bunch of idiots. It's brilliant. But uh, suffering with friends. Yeah. But uh, there's a, a lot of that, too. We <laughs> On the Eric Burns thing, we went for Labor Day. Uh, we went up to the homestead in Virginia, and they had a Labor Day 5K. And my son had done cross-country at school. And their cross country is like half a mile to a mile. I mean, six. So let's take that into consideration. Yeah. And I said, Finn, do you want to run with Dad on the five k? He's like, Yes, I'm in. I was like, We'll get your headphones. Listen to make your playlist. We'll be ready to roll. So we got it all dialed up. I did not walk the course first. <laughs> <laughs> Just like something we were going to do together. Yeah. yeah. And I told them from the beginning, I was like, buddy, if you are, you can come, you can quit right now. But the moment that this thing starts, we are finishing and you're going to, I'm not carrying you at all. And he's like, I'm in, let's do it. He's got his headphones. He got my AirPods like in his ears. Like he's ready. <laughs> ready to go. Gun goes off and Usain Bolt shows up in a six-year-old Tennessean. <laughs> I'm like, oh no, this is going to be bad. And he makes it about 150, and I mean, to the point where he's running so fast, like, I'm having difficulty keeping up with him. Because I'm like, we're just going to jog it out. Like, yeah. Buddy, I, buddy, I, I, we still I, got more to go. Like, bud, this is three and a half miles. Like, and I'm, the whole time, I'm like, man, is this really good for him? And just the, the dad debate. Yeah. Well, we're less than 200 yards into this, and he gets bumped and falls over a little bit. AirPods come out of the ear. We lose one for a minute. All these people are passing us, and he looks up, and he's just welling, welling up. He's like, all these people are passing us. Starts crying a little bit and just like, I'm done. I'm done. I was like, you're not done. You're not done. We're going to push through this, whatever. If you ask him about it, like his interpretation of what took place was very pretty funny. (laughs) Excuse me. And, but, like, come to find out, like, we basically walked for the next half a mile and just like talked him off the ledge. And once he got to the point where he built up some resilience as far as understood, like, all right, we're going to pace ourselves and kind of pushing into it. It's like all he would talk about is how many people he passed coming in. <laughs> and we, I mean, he's six years old and he ran a 5K in just under 42 minutes. That's great. Nice. I mean, those are some little legs nice. moving. Yeah, yeah up. man. The first mile was almost entirely <laughs> uphill. <laughs> so if you're ever going to take your kids to run a 5K, you may want to like preview Check the, course the course a little bit. I did not do that. Uh. Um, but I, I posted a picture of it like we we finished and everything. All my friends like, you made your kid run three miles? It was like, I mean, we, we chilled for a little bit. But as far as pushing your kids into some suffering, <laughs> that was it. <laughs> and we, I remember coming around the corner, and my wife and my daughter were at the finish line. And... She, my wife saw his face. I mean, obviously he was very tired. Yeah. At the end, and she looked at me, and I looked at her. It's like, uh, do do we just mess up here? <laughs> and 
he did fine and everything was good, but that's probably the, in terms of making your kids suffer for the gain. I mean, he talks about it to this day and that's funny. So, but that was a funny, well done. Pretty, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny now. It's funny. Yeah, it's, it's, it's funny now. At the, at, at the time I was like, man, I'm the worst yeah, father yeah. ever. <laughs> some defeating. That's funny. Uh, so let's shift gears. Let's go. You're, you're, um, kids play free. Um, talk to us about that. So one of my best friends, um, uh, you know, kind of helps me with all like the business side of like what I do yep. on tour. And I do a lot with, uh, professional golf and high level junior golf and some amateur golf and kind of everything in between. And he challenged, he's like, man, you, you don't really do anything to grow the game. Like, man, that's a hard conversation to hear. <laughs> yeah. Like, thanks. Man, I really don't. Like, every, he's like, every person you deal with is good. Fair. Like, you don't, you it's don't not, deal with any person that is not never growing touched the pool. a club ever. Yeah. Like, you're right. I don't do anything. And he's like, I think we should do something to golf is in a steady decline. Like, let us be that. This is how you do it. And, so we made a list of all these people, all these reasons why people, don't, kids don't play, and everything that goes in between. And it was time, cost, and availability. Availability being golf courses sure. to, in terms of like when kids can play and when kids can't. So the Tennessee Golf Foundation is where I do predominantly most of my junior stuff um, in the state. And I said we need some help. And so there's two courses here in Knoxville, Beverly Park, which is kind of on the north side of the city, and Concord, which is just right down here in the road on North Shore, you know, a couple of miles down the road from my house. Yep. And basically raised a bunch of money and made where golf 365 days a year can be played for free on both courses. Very cool. They can hit balls, equipment's provided for them. The first year we were at about 2,700 rounds for the year uh, between the both courses, and this year we're – well over seven thousand. Wow, dude! That's Holy cool. day! And so we got fundraiser coming up next weekend. Yeah. <laughs> so we've, but in a good thing, it's like you know we get them coming, and a lot of it now the fundraiser is to buy equipment. Yeah. Just because we, we you as a parent, if you get them there, we'll help them. Take care yeah. of it from there. And the golf foundation and the Tennessee PGA section has done a lot to help as far as beginner instruction and providing kids outlets as far as, all right, I want my kid to learn more. Where can they go? Yeah. And so doing different things like that. What's your goals with that organization? Uh, we're, it's slowly developing, uh, very fast. If that makes sense, <laughs> yeah, yeah. as odd as that is to say, it's like, oh, you know, we'll kind of push you out there. Next thing you know, look at the numbers. Like, man, we have a waiting list yeah. for people to play. When you first, yeah. you would go and man, you could have your set of clubs for the whole day. Yeah. Now it's like, you're none of you guys don't have clubs. Y'all are going to share a bag. Yeah. Whoa. Like to the point where, so we need a little bit more on that side. And so that's truly funding is, is really where that's coming. Like the chokehold and the funnels really coming into the funding aspect. Just of, equipment of uh, yeah. availability for kids that come yeah. into it. And you, know, you show up and you have nothing. And there's, yeah. you know, ten, each course has 10 sets of clubs. Yeah. 
and you show up. So yeah. that, that is a great problem to have. We can fix that. Of course, that. of course. Yeah. We can fix that. But we have our first charter, uh, Murfreesboro. Nice. Very cool. Uh, a guy in Murfreesboro uh, heard about it and uh, partnered with a local course there in town. And so we got our first, and he called and asked if he could. So the logo is the silhouette of Finn from the Masters. Cool. And he called and said, hey, I would love to just wear it statewide. It's under the same program. And I'd, I'd never met this guy. And he was a friend of a friend through the foundation. And it's like, man, spread it all out. Where you know, Hopefully more and more kids have the opportunity to learn. And What's it take to move that to the southeast? What's it take to like cast the, a wider net? Well, we're concerned about the state at the, at the first, and hopefully others. Uh, we we got a, a meeting with a couple other people, just kind of hearing how we did it. Yep. And a lot of it is just people, you know, going out of their way to just you know free up some time. Sure. Yeah. To where kids have a chance to learn <laughs> from a game that gives sure. me more than I ever deserve, yeah. and that's ultimately like that's a preview of my speech that I'm giving next. I, we have a dinner Sunday and Monday, and I got to give a, a little bit of a talk as far as you know, the who, what, why, when, and how. And yep. ultimately, the game of golf has given me more than I ever deserve. And if I have an opportunity to provide that same chance to learn from the game that, you know, has given me way more on the course, off the course, I mean, so many life lessons that's come from playing, you know, I want to give them that same chance. Mm-hmm. And so that would be something very cool to be a part of. And, Literally, just some random idea that my buddy had, and next thing you know, we're we're in it, man. That's a thing. Those That's awesome. Best, those are the best ideas. It That's feels exciting. like. So, unfortunately, this episode not unfortunately, but this is going to come out after the dinners, and we're gonna. I will promote those on our social if, yeah, between now and then. But if people want to get involved in supporting the organization, how can they donate or get involved with it? What's yeah. the best way to do that? Tennessee Golf Foundation uh, website, uh, kidsplayfree.org and knoxvillegolf.org and it all goes the same place they all have links to you know figure out how to you know provide donations we take equipment all year round okay uh you know if you go to the one in concord you could use some mile clubs uh they're not necessarily very kid friendly but uh we basically went in and took everything out of my old house and took it over there and meant surely we can do something with this sure you give kids a chance to play and I actually have a set of clubs for you guys. We were, my dad was asking me what we should do with my sister's old clubs the other day. So I'll run them over to Concord, man. They they need everything they can get. That's awesome. And, but it's, it's been very cool. And the guy that helped me run my junior event in Nashville is now the area director uh, here in Knoxville and has been very diligent as far as to get more and more of the word out and create programs to where the games continue to grow. That's great. That's really cool, man. That you, you are a, uh, extremely humble human being for being where you are in life. And it seems like it's all very like super genuine that you just, your, your give a shit factor about everything around you. You're highly early in the stage of giving back so much. That's that to where you are professionally um, in your career. You, you are you probably 10 years before most people are in the, in the giving back in the world yeah. um, kind of a phase of their life. Um, it's cool to see, man. Well, I appreciate that. That's not necessarily the goal in mind. It's just more, uh, yeah, I feel very blessed to have the opportunity. That's who you that are, I man. And yeah. I, I want to be diligent of that and, yeah. you know, have and, you know, try to provide opportunities all across the board. And that's been something that's been very cool to be a part of. Yeah, I don't doubt it, man. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, Scott, man, what, 
What's your end game? What's your next chapter? Um, what, what, uh, what's Scott Stallings end game? <laughs> I don't know. That's slow. I mean, obviously my career is playing golf for a living is yep. obviously the, the, the focus and of, I guess the professional golfer. And I want to pursue that, you know, for the next, it would be hard to imagine what I did. I would like to get to the point where once I was done playing, my wife and I would have the opportunity to do something together. Yeah. Where so much of, you know, her time has been supporting me and, you know, my pursuits of golf. And, and now she's the, you know, our rock in our family. So the opportunity to do something with her, you know, in the nonprofit world and, you know, some of the other stuff that we've created would be super cool. And I would enjoy that a lot. That's uh, really cool. Golf and my family is, is a focus, you know, some fitness stuff here and there. And, you know, hopefully have the opportunity to do some like weekends and stuff where people come in and kind of, I mean, you know, what, what's going to get you off the couch and yeah. be able to kind of tell my story a little bit more in an intimate setting. I think that would be interesting to do and, and kind of see what that would end up looking like, but just the opportunity to speak into people's lives and man, don't make the same mistakes I did. You know, don't take your life and your body for granted. And I was very fortunate to get a second chance and not a lot of people get that. Yeah. And I'm aware of that. So if I can speak into their intercede and, you know, help them not you know, yep. go down that same road I did, you know, that would be pretty cool as well. Nice dude. It's really cool. Um, all right. So we always get our guest on our dad, of dad, dad talks to give us their definition of a today's dad. So no <laughs> definition of today's dad. Uh, man, there are, um, I think the today's dad is someone that would, put their uh, family's well-being uh, above everything and do everything they possibly can to provide the best home setting, you know, show them what it's like to, to love their mom and, uh, you know, do the things a little that they know when they lay their head down on the pillow that, man, my dad loves me and cares for me and wants to provide for me. And, you know, we were talking about my son was like, Dad, why do I eat so many vegetables? <laughs> and I said, Buddy, if you if the most thing you complain about is that I make you eat food that's good for you, I'm okay with that. Yeah, we're doing all right. <laughs> and but just the opportunity, like my dad wants me to do this because he loves me and this is good for me. And I think that's a pretty good idea as far as what today's dad looks like. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Thanks yeah, for sharing yeah. that with us. But that was literally like two days ago. I was like, Dad, all we eat is vegetables. <laughs> it's like, uh, not really. Yeah. I, mean, I, see, I see your point, but yeah, good but observation, like, buddy. I mean, he's like complaining about it. It's like, you know, when you get big and strong, or you, you'll be all right. Yeah, you, you won't be super pissed about it. All right, so we, we end these shows with our rapid-fire questions. You, you said you listened to Kevin's episode, so you may have a, have a feel for it, but... You, you know how philosophical and depth <laughs> yeah, are. Yeah, we're, we're very deep on these. Mind shattering. <laughs> All right, here we go. Biggest right. lesson learned as a dad. Whew. You can never have too much patience. <laughs> <laughs> 
God has a funny sense of humor. <laughs> Most of the time, I show up in a three-year-old little blonde girl. <laughs> I feel like uh, things are going really smooth with a three-year-old nowadays. It's the, it's the vibe I mean, I'm getting. <laughs> she loves and fights as hard as any person I've ever met. That's a good quality to have, man. Yes. She will get very far in life. Yep. <laughs> she has humongous blue eyes. And if it's not for her personality, they're going to get her a, a long way. Yeah. <laughs> most uh, your most annoying song, show, movie, et cetera, that you've had to watch or listen to with the kids over and over again. Man, I legitimately, Frozen 2 just came out. I went and got my car worked on. Yeah. And the guy pulled my car in. He's like, for real, man? I was like, what? He's like, that's what you listen to? I had the Frozen 2 soundtrack in my car for almost the entire day. I didn't have either kid in the car. I just had to go. I just didn't even think about it. Nope. Yeah. That happens all the time. Yeah. Fro- Frozen 2, uh, Moana, man. I was over Moana. Yeah. I mean, I, I think The Rock is phenomenal and... The movie was great, but man, some of those songs were rough. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, let's be honest. They weren't meant to be listened to on repeat a thousand times. So it's, yes. we did it to ourselves. But I do appreciate the Frozen 2 has like the like popular artists that sing the songs. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, which is it's kind of got like a mixtape of like popular artists that like redid the songs. Yeah. I can kind of get down with it's that. It's helpful. Yeah, <laughs> it helps. We had a we had a super busy day the other day, and I dropped all of our my youngest off at school, and was sitting in the car like returning an email and taking some notes real quick. And it's only like eight, five minutes home from there. And I get home, and I called him when I walked in the door, and I said, "I have been in the car for the last fifteen minutes, writing notes, responding to emails, driving home, and was singing." old mcdonald on uh super simple songs in the car like and just got home and realized it's like shit i have been seeing old mcdonald by myself in the car with no kids it would just become <laughs> like, it's just an ironic funny thing here's it's, where i am this is what it is yeah <laughs> it's crazy though that kids like what the, the stuff they listen to in the car like how much they like memorize it my wife and i went to new york <laughs> about two months ago and we saw hamilton and which i'm not a broadway guy at all it was awesome yeah yeah it was awesome. Sure. And so we had the mixtape and stuff going in the car. I, mean, I took my son to school this morning, 730. It's like, yeah, put Hamilton on. <laughs> like, some of the words are a little rough. Yeah. But the story of him trying to understand, they have an edited version where it says not as much of the cursing, but him trying to understand, like, what was happening, like, who Alexander Hamilton is. And he's just like, he knows nothing about it other than the songs. Yeah. And him asking me questions like... Uh, why did George Washington pick this person and not this person? I'm like, <laughs> buddy. <laughs> it is 7.30 in the morning. <laughs> yeah. But on the, like on the flip side, like I, I've, I mean, he was a big, like early age, he was a big Thomas the Train guy. And man, that, that had some rough songs. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> yeah, that, one, that one's not known for its songs. <laughs> yeah, that was rough. Yeah. All right. Uh, favorite thing to do with your kids? Man, I love being in here with them. Yeah, my daughter know. is in here more because if my son, if we're down here and they're outside, he's basketball or playground or something. Yeah. But my daughter, actually, she's been in here more than anybody. I like <laughs> it. And if anyone's seen my Instagram, the stuff that she does in here is 100% on her own. She's just, she's come up with it herself. She's, I don't really know what goes on in her mind when she's <laughs> in here. 
but I basically just give her plenty of space to operate. And then she's just, my parents came in and worked out the other day and they looked over and she's doing some type of like headstand. I'm like, is this normal? I was like a hundred, sadly, yes. <laughs> not exactly sure what that is, but you do um, you. And, but honestly, I, after I, I love being here with them and, but truly anything that they want to do where, yeah. you know, it's not about my schedule and what I'm doing, but what, what they're into yeah. just being yeah. with them. Nice. Yeah. Uh, your drink of choice. It, right now, tequila old fashioned. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, and it came from, we went to this cream barbecue in Mexico. They did the thing for the tournament and they gave us all these like fruity cocktails I was like, man, we're doing like meat and steak. Like, yeah, I don't want a pina colada. Yeah, like, what what can we do different? The guys, like, you have any ideas? Like, yes, I do. So I took uh, <laughs> reposado tequila, mezcal, some chili bitters, and uh, Look at this guy got them all in there and mixed it up. Next thing you know, it's like uh, the guy that was making the drinks ended up sitting at my spot. <laughs> And I was like, you want to be the first? And he, he'd sit there and just hammered it. And he went back and started making drinks for everybody. What was the name but, of the drink? Uh, he just called it the Scott because, I, I mean, we had a little bit of a language barrier. But. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. All right, uh, well, nonetheless, we'll, we'll, we'll write up the ingredient list of the Scott on our show yeah, notes. I mean, there was, a, there was a few more ingredients in there, some bitters and different things like that. But um, I put a, he had a tobacco bitter that I'd never seen before, so I put that in there. But tequila old fashions. Nice. Uh, with equal parts reposado and mezcal, yeah, pretty solid. I mean, I'll never turn down. Outside of that is a Vucare, hands down. Especially, I like it the way that I make it. But, <laughs> um, I think the earlier answer to the question of what would you be doing if not this, I'm thinking mixologist. Yeah, yeah, is where yeah we you'll be a mixologist. No, if if golf do, never happened. <laughs> When I'm done, I would like to do a restaurant concept where it serves like good coffee, green drinks throughout the day, maybe like some protein, and then the Wi-Fi goes off at five o'clock, so you get everyone out of there, and then it turns into whiskey bar. That's I great. That it's a great concept. Amazing. On point. I think that sounds amazing. You let us know, and we'll. I would go in and I'd serve my one drink an hour. Have <laughs> <laughs> to find someone that could turn them over. You would have one stool, and that was the individual that got the be drink. Like the you, wait here yeah, is crazy. If you, if you want me to make it, this is your spot. But if you want someone that really knows what they're doing, <laughs> it's over here. But yeah, the idea of just figuring out what people like. Like I, I enjoy that, and like what goes with what, and I, I know way more of what doesn't go with what. Yeah, but that's funny. Different things like that. Uh, best part of being a dad, uh, seeing that little boy or girl. As soon as they get done, whatever it is, and they see you, they and especially with my daughter, I mean, she could have just seen me thirty minutes ago, and full out sprint and just right to you. Like yeah. that's my favorite thing. Yeah, and. But them picking me up from the airport's my favorite. Cool. So that's got to be a good one. Um, all right, last one for you. What trait of your own do you hope that your kids inherit or model? Uh, humility. Like you're not the smartest in the room. The moment you think you are, you 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 don't know anything, <laughs> uh, and 
you can always learn from every and all situation yeah. and just putting yourself in situations that are going to be difficult and you're going to learn more about yourself and through the process of just, you know, struggle. And I think as a culture, we avoid that. And I mean, I've learned so much of struggling yeah, <laughs> and just, you know, coming out with some resilience on the other side, but I mean, a basic understanding of humility and, would go a long way. Nice dude. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, man, that wraps us, wraps up our questions. You passed. That was, that was <laughs> not near as, uh, intense as I prepared for. So. <laughs> Yo, you prepared. Oh my. That's pretty good. <laughs> That's good. No, that was awesome. Thank you. Um, thank you for having us out to the barn. We'll call it the barn. <laughs> yes. We have, we have, we've deemed, it we've the deemed the name for you. So yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> but yeah, it's looking for a good, like a, descriptor but that's what we're going to go with that's fine i think it's good man it's It's a rowdy name uh scott stellings man uh thanks for being interviewed by us and thanks for the time and uh good luck for sharing your family story season yeah thank you guys very much all right man well thank you again to scott stallings for joining us um what a what a what an awesome today's dad man yeah, that man, that was just a fun time. I liked, I liked hanging out in his barn. Uh, but yeah, his today's dad definition uh, is barn uh, slash gym. Yeah, barn yeah, slash yeah. Gym. <laughs> I, I felt some thread of rocky slash coffee inside factory. of him. Like, right. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, super for a guy that is pulled in as many directions as he is to to keep his uh, family needs above all and in check. Um, kind of keeping that paramount is a pretty pretty cool today's dad definition. Yeah, definitely something that we all strive for and easier said than done for for all of us, but um it, I it just a just an unbelievably goal-oriented, goal-driven dude, so um I have no doubt in my mind that they will accomplish everything that they're working towards yeah. this coming year and uh we will certainly be be cheering him on um yeah. along the way. So it was Absolutely. that was that was really fun meeting with him. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Scott, thank you to you and your family for giving us the time. So please um, head over to wakedaddrinkrepeat.com. We'll have this episode show notes and all links uh, to help out the Stallings Foundations. Um, And uh, you can check out his Today's Dad video and um, make sure you check him out. Yeah, Kids Play Free was was a very cool thing that he he has put together. So that was that was another fun piece to touch on. Yeah, pretty cool. So um, well, next week, Mike, we have a very special guest coming on the show. <laughs> oh, man, man, I've been, it, it makes me smile thinking about it. Yeah. So we are, we sat down with Greg Spiridellis, the uh, co-founder, co-creator of Jib Jab and Storybots. So Story we have a great time talks, talking with him. Living inside computer parts. And he is also the voice of Boop. <laughs> on storybots that is very true that is very true uh, it's probably the most complicated character arc in the whole show boop (laughs) but we hope you guys uh tune in for that one because that was that's a good one please do yeah all right well as always thanks for being a part of the wake dead drink repeat community absolutely we hope you enjoyed this week's episode and as always remember to wake dad drink repeat Cheers, everyone. Boop. <laughs>
Thanks for listening. Please review and rate us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us grow our community. Be sure to get social with us on Facebook and Instagram, or you can check out our website at wakedaddrinkrepeat.com. 